0: A taste of fall drifted on the cutting breeze in the high steppe of Mongolia. The air was chilled with hints of winter. Pleasant memories of summer faded behind the necessity of preparation.
1: But somewhere in the Tuul River Valley, near the foot of the Henty Mountains, 2,000 servants toiled over a single corpse. They built a grand platform and adorned the body with jewels, while a group of mounted soldiers attentively fixed their eyes on the backbreaking labor.
0: When the work was finished, the soldiers rounded up the servants, unsheathed their swords, and stabbed them one by one. The soldiers turned to the 800 men of the escort and told them the job was finished. The escort nodded and took up the body.
1: The whole party moved down the road for miles until the escort turned to the soldiers, unsheathed their swords, and stabbed the military men one by one. Then the 800 remaining men took up the body once more and continued their road up the mountain, swiftly murdering any and all parties that had the misfortune of seeing the procession.
0: When they reached the sacred ground, they buried the body. Then they dug for weeks to divert the flow of a nearby river to wash over the burial mound. They planted trees to blend into the mountainside. And when the work was finished, the 800 men of the escort unsheathed their swords and stabbed themselves one by one, forever hiding the location of Genghis Khan's tomb.
1: Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Welcome to Gone, a Parcast Original. Every other Monday, we examine mysterious disappearances and the theories they spawned. From the Amber Room to Michael Rockefeller, Picasso paintings to the Etruscan language, the Roanoke Colony to the lost Russian cosmonauts. If
0: it's gone,
1: we're looking for it. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love— let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network.
0: And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to Parcast.com merch for more information.
1: You can find all previous episodes of Gone, as well as all of ParCast's other shows, on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
0: Today we're looking into the burial site of the famed general and conqueror Genghis Khan. It's been nearly 800 years since Genghis Khan died. And despite dozens of expeditions, hundreds of satellite images, and extensive drone searches, his tomb has never been definitively located.
1: There are three major theories about where Genghis Khan was laid to rest. The first is that he was buried in his birthplace, somewhere in the Henti province.
0: The second theory we'll discuss is that the great Khan was buried on the treacherous heights of the Burkhan Khaldun, a mountain in Mongolia where he used to pray before major battles.
1: Our third and final theory is that Genghis Khan is buried in an undisclosed location called Mountain X, somewhere between his home in Mongolia and his place of death in northern China.
0: Before we go too much further, it's important to understand why Genghis Khan was so deeply respected by his people and why he would want his final resting place to be one of the best-kept secrets in the world.
1: Genghis Khan was born with the name Temujin in 1162 in Dalun Baldog, in the Henti province of Mongolia. His father, Yesuge, was the chief of a confederation of nomadic tribes on the Mongolian plateau. A semi-mythic history written sometime in the 13th century claims that Temujin was born clutching a clot of blood in his fist, a sign that the child would follow in his father's footsteps and become a great leader.
0: But fate's good fortune would be short-lived. When Temujin was nine years old, his father was killed by an enemy tribe. Temujin tried to claim his father's position as chief of the clan, but the nine-year-old easily lost the power struggle to a rival warlord. The former ruling family was then abandoned by their tribe and forced into exile.
1: For years, Temujin and his family roamed the plains, scouring villages and forests for food. But even in exile, there was power to be won. When Temujin was 10, he killed his older half-brother on a hunting expedition, swiftly taking his place as the head of the family. From
0: there, Temujin started angling for real power. He formed an alliance with his childhood friend, Jamuka, who had since become the Khan of his own tribe. For almost a decade, these tribes worked together in harmony. But a rift began to form between the two leaders at some point in the 1180s, when Temujin was in his 20s.
1: Jamuka supported the hereditary aristocracy that had traditionally governed Mongolian tribes. But Temujin was more interested in meritocracy. He believed power should go to the most talented and successful, regardless of their high or low birth.
0: This rivalry escalated into an all-out war in 1186, when Temujin was elected Khan of the Mongols. The next year, Jamukha sent 30,000 soldiers to stamp out Temujin's followers before he gained any more power. In the end, Temujin lost the battle and was forced to flee
1: his tribe and people. Following this loss, Temujin vowed he would never again know the sting of defeat. For the next decade, he plotted, prepared, and gathered a force of lower-class warriors to face Jamaka's army. Temujin would bring his people blood and vengeance.
0: It was quickly clear that Temujin was a brilliant strategist. Through careful alliances, in-depth intelligence gathering, and ruthless military force, he gradually united several of Mongolia's warring tribes into an
1: alliance under his own rule. As one example of his military genius, Temujin trained his soldiers to ride horses and shoot bows at the same time. For the nomadic Mongols, riding horses was second nature, but this tactic required them to completely relearn how to ride while aiming a bow and how to effectively hit a target while moving.
0: But the effort paid off. While most armies were divided between archers and cavalry, Temujin had created a new deadly force of soldiers who were able to do both. After 15 years of plotting and preparing, he was ready to face his old rival once again.
1: In the early 1200s, Temujin marched his troops toward Jamukha's headquarters. He instructed each of his men to carry five torches, so that as they approached, their army would look like it was five times its actual size.
0: This tactic succeeded in horrifying Jamuka's forces. Their resolve was broken before the battle even began.
1: When the two sides finally met, they quickly realized that Temujin's army was less than half the size they'd expected, but they were twice as efficient. Temujin's horseback archers decimated Jamukha's forces, tearing across the battlefield with unprecedented speed. After several bloody battles, Jamukha's hopeless
0: generals started to abandon him. In 1206, Jamukha's own men gave up and turned him over to Temujin. According to some accounts, Temujin offered to make peace with Jamukha and even killed the traitors who'd handed him over. But Jamukha refused, He'd rather die than give up his power. He asked his old friend for a bloodless, noble death, and Temujin personally obliged.
1: With Jamaka out of the way, Temujin was, beyond any doubt, the most powerful leader in Mongolia. By 1206, he'd wrested control over all the major tribes in the area. The alliance of tribes became known as the Mongolian Empire.
0: The disparate groups that had been sparring for centuries were now organized into one unstoppable military machine. When the Council of Tribal Chiefs met, they bestowed Temujin with a new title, Genghis Khan, which translates to ultimate ruler.
1: Genghis Khan spent the next several decades conquering the neighboring lands and consolidating his empire as one of the most successful military leaders of all time. One of the ways in which he did this was by adopting the cultures of the various empires he conquered. Essentially, when he asked a new tribe to join his
0: empire, they could maintain their religious freedoms and culture, as long as they agreed to fight for him when he needed them. With this strategy, he successfully absorbed the people of the Jin dynasty, the Har-Hita, and the Khwarezmian, among others.
1: By 1227, Genghis Khan's empire consisted of approximately 9,100,000 square miles, stretching from the Middle East to modern-day South Korea. But at the age of 65, Genghis Khan still wanted more. He turned his gaze south toward China.
0: In order to claim this land, he would have to conquer a smaller empire called the Tangut in what is now northern China. In August of 1227, Genghis Khan prepared to take the Tangut capital, Yinchuan. He had claimed many empires in open combat before, but this battle would prove to be his last.
1: There is some debate over exactly how he met his demise. Some experts believe he fell off his horse while hunting after the battle. Marco Polo, who traveled to Mongol decades later, asserted he died from an infected wound to his knee. Centuries later, some stories reported that he was stabbed by a Tangut princess they'd taken prisoner during the invasion. But the rumors and legends all end in the same place. Genghis Khan was pronounced dead on August 18, 1227 the most powerful conqueror in human history, had finally fallen.
0: Coming up, we'll look at Genghis Khan's unusual funeral.
1: Now, back to the story.
0: Genghis Khan's last request was for his soldiers to bury him in an unmarked grave and hide his body as well as possible. According to ancient Mongolian tradition, disturbing a burial site destroys the soul that's
1: interred there. As Genghis Khan was responsible for tens of millions of deaths, it's safe to assume he had quite a few enemies that would want to dishonor his tomb.
0: To fulfill this final order, 2,000 loyal servants were recruited to prepare their fallen leader's body. According to The Secret History of the Mongols, the oldest surviving literary work on Genghis Khan's life, his body was shipped back to his birthplace in the Henti province, close to the Ono River.
1: To make sure his final resting place remained hidden, Genghis Khan had left orders with his surviving captains to slaughter all 2,000 servants involved in the funeral preparations to ensure none of them revealed the location of his burial.
0: Once the servants were dead, a smaller group of soldiers murdered the men who'd killed the servants. This process of bloody erasure continued until only 800 loyal men remained. This small group became the official funeral escort that took Genghis Khan's body to its final resting place. The funeral escort carried Genghis Khan's body for hundreds of miles to his birth city of Dalun Boldog in the Henti province.
1: According to the legend, if this escort met anyone on the road to Dalun baldog they murdered them too, even if the unfortunate witnesses were women or children.
0: Once the escort arrived at their undisclosed location, they buried Genghis Khan about 20 feet underground. The men then trampled the site with their horses to prevent anyone from identifying it as a burial site.
1: Then, to really make sure the job was done, they planted trees over the plot and dug deep trenches to divert a nearby river to flow over the tomb.
0: Once their work was complete, all 800 members of Genghis Khan's escort committed ritualistic suicide out of respect for the mighty Khan. Their loyalty to their leader didn't end until they'd followed him to the grave.
1: That's where the legend ends. Genghis Khan's final act was just as ruthless, strategic, and effective as all his military campaigns. For centuries, he succeeded in keeping his tomb's location under wraps.
0: This story is the foundation for our first theory. Genghis Khan was in fact buried somewhere in the Henti province as the secret history of the Mongols claims. The difficulty is that this territory is over 30,000 square miles and Genghis Khan could have been buried anywhere within it. However, there are a few particular locations that stand out as possible burial sites. The first is Dalun Bulldog, where Genghis Khan was
1: born. In the centuries since the conqueror's death, his birthplace in Dalun Bulldog has become a sacred place in Mongolian folklore. Even today, it's a popular pilgrimage destination for locals and foreigners alike.
0: Since Genghis Khan was born in this area and spent much of his early life there, it makes sense why he might have chosen this place for his tomb. But the geographical features of Dalun Bulldog offer even more support for the
1: theory. There are a few rivers around this area, including the Ono, Hirthun, and Tul. If Genghis Khan's funeral escort did bury him under a river, as the story says, this location would be a good contender.
0: Despite widespread curiosity, there were no major searches for Genghis Khan's grave in Dalun Bulldog for centuries. This is because, to this day, most Mongolians see the search for the tomb as disrespectful. Genghis Khan specifically tried to hide himself from the world, and hunting for him blatantly disregards the dead man's last wish.
1: But in 1991, a team of scientists led by Dr. D. Sevendorj believed the historical significance of finding the tomb outweighed any morality issues or cultural backlash. They began a project called Three Rivers, excavating around the rivers near De baldog in search of historical remains.
0: The team scoured the rivers for two years, but in 1993, the team gave up, and Sevendorj reported that he found nothing to indicate Genghis Khan had been buried there.
1: If the grave site was under a river, it stands to reason that any remains or artifacts could have been washed away over the centuries. After Sevendorj's failed investigation, most historians believe the site was not the location of the tomb, or if it was, we'll never find the evidence to confirm it.
0: But this was just one of many possible locations within the Henti province. Another possibility is that Genghis Khan was buried in his personal
1: palace. In the year 1200, Genghis Khan built a palace in the middle of the Henti province to serve as a home base for his military operations. According to ancient Mongolian texts, Court officials sometimes commuted from this palace to Genghis Khan's mysterious tomb to conduct rituals for the dead. This has led enthusiasts like Professor Shinpei Kato of Tokyo Kokugakin University to believe Genghis Khan's tomb is located within walking distance of this palace. Unfortunately,
0: the palace itself is also missing. Its existence is mentioned in historical texts, but there are no details on its location. For this clue to be of any use in finding the tomb, Professor Kato first had to find the palace.
1: On October 6, 2004, a team of researchers led by Kato discovered ruins in a grassy steppe in the Henti province, 150 miles east of the Mongolian capital of Ulaanbaatar. Kato described the small structure as a simple shape of a square tent attached to wooden columns.
0: The structure itself was little more than a few stone walls, but as they looked deeper into the remains, they discovered more. Inside the site were porcelain plates that were carbon-dated to approximately the year 1200, the same
1: time Genghis Khan built his palace. According to Kato, the scenery around the site also matched a description of the palace from historical accounts.
0: This launched a search of the nearby area for any trace of Genghis Khan's body. Teams hunted the hills on foot and even sent drones overhead to look for any strange formations in the terrain. But after months of looking, no body or tomb was found.
1: The discovery of the palace itself was a groundbreaking step in archaeologists' quest to learn more about Genghis Khan. It proved that parts of the great empire have stood the test of time, and if the lost palace could be unearthed, it's possible his grave could too.
0: Inspired by the discovery, treasure hunters and historians alike turned their attention toward other regions where the tomb might be located. We know from historical accounts that Genghis Khan's funeral was held in the Henti province, but that doesn't necessarily mean his body is resting there.
1: Nearly four centuries after Genghis Khan's death, rumors were circulating that the story of his burial, as told in the secret history, weren't entirely accurate. In 1604, A historical chronicle claimed that only Genghis Khan's shirt, tent, and boots were buried on the day of his burial. The actual body was laid somewhere else entirely.
0: Unfortunately, the chronicle didn't mention where Genghis Khan was buried or why only his clothes made the trip. It also didn't explain where this information came from. This chronicle was built from a collection of oral traditions, some of which could be inaccurate, exaggerated, or downright fictional. But this book is not the only publication to claim Genghis Khan wasn't present at his own burial.
1: In 1662, another Mongolian chronicle claimed that Genghis Khan's coffin arrived empty to the burial site. Once again, this account was written from oral traditions, and we have no way of knowing what's true and what's false. But it is strange that two different sources suggested Genghis Khan's body was missing from his grave.
0: On one hand, these theories add a new layer of difficulty to the task of finding the conqueror's grave. On the other, they might actually
1: point us toward new clues. If Genghis Khan really was buried in the Henti province, as the legend says, we know that every single eyewitness was dead before they could spread the news. But... If he wasn't, there could be more witnesses, ones who weren't so dedicated to protecting the great Khan's secrets. Apart from his hometown in the Henty province,
0: there are other locations that might have held sentimental value for the leader. Many historians and enthusiasts believe these other places could be a better bet for finding the tomb.
1: This brings us to our second theory, Genghis Khan wasn't buried in a 20-foot-deep grave under a river in the Henti province. Instead, he was laid to rest somewhere in the great mountainous region of Burkhan Khaldun.
0: Located about 100 miles to the northeast of Ulaanbaatar, the Burkhan Khaldun is a hazardous maze of peaks and cliffs. According to ancient historical records, Genghis Khan would prey on the cliff of this mountain before major battles.
1: It was a place that was dear to him, and also a place where few would dare to venture to try and find a grave.
0: Scholars believe this location is a strong possibility for the burial site because of something Genghis Khan said while he was alive. Before his invasion of the Tangut Empire in 1227, Genghis Khan said he wanted to return to the Burkhan Khaldun Mountain after he conquered China.
1: Now, saying that you want to return to a mountain alive and implying you want to be buried there are two entirely different things. But this was enough evidence to inspire a number of search expeditions up the treacherous mountain.
0: Despite the more theoretical nature of this theory, over the years there is some surprisingly strong evidence to support it. In 2006, historian Maury Kravitz began excavations roughly 60 miles east of the Burkan Khaldun. That was as close as he could get to the mountain without interference from the Mongolian
1: government because it's considered a sacred site. The entire mountain is part of the Khan-Henti Strictly Protected Area, which prohibits access to anyone not in the royal family.
0: This is highly suspicious to theorists like Kravitz. They believe that the Mongolian government is trying to keep the body of Genghis Khan safe from scientists and tomb raiders as a way to honor the final wishes of their historical ruler.
1: Undeniably, the people of Mongolia do tend to view these grave searches as disrespectful. Many an excavation has been shut down due to local backlash in the previous few decades. However, the Mongolian government insists they know nothing about Genghis Khan's tomb and that this site would be protected as sacred land regardless of whether he was buried there
0: or not. While this restriction severely limited the potential for success, it didn't stop Kravitz from trying. As expected, his investigation didn't turn up any hints of a tomb, but he did encounter several disturbing omens on the foothills of the Burkan Khaldun.
1: First, there were the poisonous vipers that appeared out of nowhere in the middle of the excavation. While no one got hurt, the sudden appearance of deadly snakes did little to boost the morale of the crew.
0: Next, a number of their supply cars began to careen off hills unexpectedly, as if they were being pushed by some invisible force. The setbacks were so severe that Kravitz was forced to suspend his search for years.
1: Some theorists believe these events were triggered by a curse meant to prevent anyone from disturbing Genghis Khan's tomb.
0: But the logic is a little thin here. Remember, Kravitz was digging miles away from the mountain where Genghis Khan was believed to be buried. It's also important to note that all of this evidence of bad omens comes from Kravitz and Kravitz alone. It's possible that he exaggerated his reports out of superstition or as a way to explain his expedition's failure.
1: Kravitz's search did ultimately come up empty. But several years later, a new investigator took up the mantle. In 2008, a technologist and adventurer named Albert Yu Min Lin decided to approach the mystery of Genghis Khan's final resting place from a different angle.
0: Aware that a single excavator could spend years digging around in the ground in vain, Lin came up with a tactic to cover more ground without ever personally setting foot on the dig site. He put out a call on the National Geographic website and recruited thousands of what he called citizen scientists to join the hunt for Genghis Khan.
1: By 2010, Lin had divided the 6,000-square-mile territory into 84,000 tiles of satellite imagery. Each of these tiles were about two meters across and could be viewed by anyone with access to the Internet. All interested parties were instructed to tag archaeological enigmas, essentially anything that looked unnatural. In the first
0: few months of the program, Over 10,000 people tried out Lin's system, generating more than two million tags. Lin downloaded this data every day with satellite communication links and identified 100 possible locations for the tomb across the Burkan Khaldun.
1: From there, Lin analyzed these areas personally and narrowed those 100 potential locations down to 55. Then, he set out to explore those locations on foot. If Genghis Khan was buried near the Burkhan Khaldun, Lynn was closer than anyone had ever been to finding him.
0: Up next, we'll discuss the outcome of Lynn's great discovery. Now, back to the story.
1: Lynn had to deal with the same government restrictions as Kravitz did. But in the locations that he did have access to, he used magnetometers to form underground maps of the terrain. Magnetometers are instruments that measure magnetism under the Earth's surface and are often used to search for buried artifacts or other anomalies deep underground.
0: But as Lin was looking for the tomb, he, like Kravitz, was stopped by unexpected forces. It
1: began with a massive storm. The storm was so severe it caused nearby trees to uproot themselves and fall around the camp. His team was forced to take shelter to protect themselves.
0: The storm stopped after a few hours, but the team's troubles were far from over. As they resumed their search, they were accosted by seven shamans dressed in traditional Mongolian garb complete with masks. To this day, Lin has no idea where these
1: shamans came from, or who sent them to their camp. The shamans asked Lin what he was searching for. He told them he was looking for Genghis Khan. In response, the shamans curtly asked him and his scientists to leave. Out of respect, and possibly out of fear of government interference, Lin abandoned his expedition.
0: Since this fateful encounter, there have been a few other attempts to glimpse into the khan Henti strictly protected area. In 2015, French specialists Pierre-Henri Giscard and Raphael Hautefort found a way to investigate the area without drawing the attention of the authorities, by using drones.
1: Without asking permission from the Mongolian government, Giscard and Hautefort flew camera drones deep into the Khanhenti area. They ran two aerial investigations, one in 2015 and one in 2016. And during their searches, they discovered a large mound at the top of the Burkhan Khaldun mountain. It looked rather suspiciously like a burial mound. This mound is ostensibly a religious site where locals travel to pray and pay homage, though we don't know to whom or what. Giscard and Hautefort believe the holy shrine is actually the lost tomb of Genghis Khan. That
0: said, there is some evidence to disprove this theory. First and foremost, the entire purpose of Genghis Khan's elaborate burial was to keep the site absolutely undetectable. In the story told in The Secret History, his funeral escort trampled his tomb flat and even diverted a river to run over the location. If he went through all this effort to create and hide a fake gravesite, it doesn't make sense that he'd leave an obvious burial mound over his actual grave.
1: More evidence against this theory was found during a new investigation by Albert Lin. Following the drone flights, Lin decided to risk another encounter with the mysterious shamans and resume his search.
0: Without securing permission... Lin snuck a team into the Kanhenti Strictly Protected Area in 2016. Once inside, they scanned the ground near the mysterious burial mound with a test probe.
1: Lin used ground-penetrating radar to detect the different materials under the earth. But he found nothing that would indicate human remains. It seems the mound is simply that, a mound of earth. Nothing unusual was buried underneath.
0: For the time being, this is the closest we'll get to an excavation of the mound. The Mongolian government is still keeping a close eye on whatever's atop the Burkhan Khaldun Mountain, and it doesn't look like they will be loosening their grip on the area anytime soon.
1: In fact, after these two illegal drone flights and Lin's unapproved test probe, they're more careful than ever with their sacred land. No legal action has been taken against Giskar and Otfor, mostly because they haven't officially released the footage they collected. But it's safe to say the Mongolian government isn't too happy with their discovery.
0: Unless Mongolia decides to cooperate with archaeologists, we may never know whether Genghis Khan's body is hidden in the Burkhan Khaldun. But there is one other location
1: that might hold some answers. Our final theory is that Genghis Khan was buried on a mysterious mountain called Mountain X. This theory claims that the mound on the Burkhan Khaldun might be the official tomb of Genghis Khan, but his remains actually reside elsewhere.
0: We should begin by saying this theory is by far the most conspiratorial, so we encourage you to take it with a grain of salt.
1: As you may recall, Two 17th-century Mongolian record books reported that Genghis Khan's body was not present at the moment of his burial. But they don't offer any details on where his remains might actually be.
0: Alan Nichols, the president of a New York-based scientific society called the Explorers Club, has a simple answer. He believes the body is hidden near the battlefield where Genghis Khan died in northern China.
1: According to Nichols, after Genghis Khan died, he would have been taken back to Mongolia, as it's unlikely his army would have been willing to bury the great Mongolian leader in China. But he doesn't believe the body made it all the way back to his home province, as the legend suggests.
0: Nichols believes the entire burial ritual and the decoy tomb on top of the Burkhan Khaldun was a hoax designed to protect people from a dangerous curse. He says, according to Mongolian shamanism, you can't touch a corpse like Genghis Khan's without dangerous consequences to yourself, physical, mental, and emotional.
1: This quote is a little misleading. Mongolians believe disturbing a corpse can affect the deceased person's soul in the afterlife, but it's not widely held that it can affect anything in the land of the living.
0: Nevertheless, Given Genghis Khan's infamous use of deception as a military tactic, it stands to reason that he'd use elaborate methods to protect his grave from desecration.
1: Nichols has focused on tracing the route the funeral procession would have traveled on. He believes the real tomb lies along that path, on a mountain he simply calls Mountain X.
0: Nichols claims he's been on three expeditions to this Mountain X. He explored the site with magnetometers and ground-penetrating radar, narrowing down possible locations based on distance, terrain, and shamanistic beliefs regarding funeral customs. But he's yet to bring forward any useful evidence.
1: As for the location of this mysterious mountain axe, Nichols says he's found it, but he offers no evidence to support that claim. He says, I'm very careful about not telling people where it is. I have agreements with all the technical people. I'm a lawyer, as you know, and I've already thought how to make sure that nobody lets it out.
0: Hypothetically, this theory could provide an answer to the mystery if we ever get to see the evidence. But as of yet, it's nothing more than a theory.
1: Now in his late 80s, Nichols shows no sign of stopping his hunt for the missing tomb. Perhaps his team will find the evidence they're looking for at some point in the future. But as it stands today, we can't rightfully say that Mountain X is Genghis Khan's final resting place.
0: All three of these theories have their logical strengths, but they also fall short on evidence. Through our research, we believe the most likely location for Genghis Khan's tomb is in the mountains of the
1: Burkhan Khaldun. The location held a sentimental value to Genghis Khan throughout his life, and it was difficult to traverse, making it unlikely that anyone would disturb his grave. Furthermore, the fact that the Mongolian
0: government is so concerned with protecting the location is highly suspect. The level of security around the mountain definitely makes it seem like there's something up there they don't want international archaeologists to see.
1: Given the general attitude in Mongolia that the dead should be left to rest in peace, especially when Genghis Khan is concerned, it does stand to reason that if the Burkhan Khaldun contained the great conqueror's tomb, they'd try and keep it away from prying eyes.
0: This is largely why the mystery remains unsolved. Genghis Khan's people were loyal to his wishes to the very end. Out of respect for the dead, including the thousands who died to protect the secret of Genghis Khan's resting place, it might be best to let this missing tomb remain hidden. Thanks again for tuning in to Gone. We'll be back in 2 weeks with another episode.
1: You can find all previous episodes of Gone as well as all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
0: Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review.
1: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time.
0: Just because it's gone doesn't mean it can't be found.
1: Gone was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. Gone is written by Michael Allen Herman and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.